Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how living generously with our treasure is the best thing for our hearts. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. So, welcome. We're glad that you're here with us today. We're wrapping up a series called A Generous Life. And we've been talking about generosity. We want to be a people who is generous. And one of the coolest things for me personally, uh, being in this role of church planner, is seeing God provide. We are a young church, a new church, and it takes a lot of resources to get started to plant a church. And so we've seen over and over God be faithful and provide for us as a church. And I love seeing people really for the light bulb to kind of go on and for them to say, I want to live generously. I want to give. And realizing that as we become generous, that we're actually blessed and we're a blessing to other people, right? And just kind of seeing that light bulb go on. We've seen so many cool things happen. And I know we shared our um, third birthday party. We had story time, lots of stories if you were here with us that day. And a few of them, I just want to recap a few of them. One of the cool ones was uh, somebody donated funds so that we could buy this grill trailer. And you guys have seen the grill trailer, right? Like we had it parked inside here and it actually was out in Cannonball yesterday doing an event down there. And so it's getting used a lot and somebody donated that. Like they just were generous. They said, hey, we want to give you that ministry tool so that you can impact other people. It's like, thanks, that's awesome. And then somebody, uh, another church in town that closed down, and some of you are part of this church, Revive, donated a trailer full of stuff, inflatables, generators, man, just basically a turnkey uh, outreach in a box. And so they donated that to us because we were already doing park outreach. So we were the recipients of their generosity. We've been the recipients of generosity from our sending church, Century Baptist, People that have given money to Century to plant made it possible for us to even get started, for Missio to exist. And not to mention, look around at this building, this beautiful space that we're in is because of somebody's generosity. Many people gave. And so we have received a lot as a church, haven't we? We've received a lot of people's generosity. And my hope is that we don't just receive it. We don't just say, oh, thanks, everybody, and we just keep taking but that we reciprocate and we say, we want to be a people who are also generous. We want to be a church that is known for our generosity. And so we don't want to just take, we want to give as well. And we know that a culture of generosity in a church doesn't just happen by accident. You don't just kind of stumble upon it. It's a choice. And it's an intentional thing that we pursue. And so if we want to live generously, we have to have the right perspective. And I think it comes down to realizing that we can live for the here and now, and, and we'll, if we live for now, we're going to get what, um, that's all we get. But if we live for eternity, we experience God's blessing now and into eternity, right? Eternal rewards. So what we need is an eternal perspective. And to get that, maybe we should go to the scripture to find out what the Bible has to say about eternal perspective. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in a lot of different texts today, but um, just flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. It says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. 
But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so sometimes we run around this life and we act as if we're going to be here forever. I'm just going to live on this earth forever. And we know that's not true. We have a limited lifespan, but we kind of act as if this life is all that matters, right? We have a perspective that is very here and now, very much in the temporary. The Bible tells us that, hey, you brought nothing into this world. You were born a baby with nothing. And when you die, you take nothing with you when you leave this world. There's an old bluegrass song. Anybody ever heard the song, You Can't Take It With You When You Go? Anybody know that song? It's kind of a goofy old song, but I, I was thinking about that. And this is the lyrics. I was going to play it for you, but we'll just spare you that. Um, this is the lyric. It says for the chorus, no, you can't take it with you when you go. He must be your God. He's going to have a show. All these possessions will be left behind on earth. You never see a U-Haul pulled behind a hearse. That's kind of funny, right? But it's true. We don't take our possessions with us when we go. We don't bring them into this world, and we don't take them with us. And so scripture tells us in, in 1 Timothy to be content with what we have, that we have enough. God's given us enough. It says, by the way, if you wander into the love of money, if you make that your pursuit, your desire, it actually brings ruin. It brings destruction, it says in verse 9. And so the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money is evil. Money is not evil. Some people think it is, but it's not. Money is neutral. Money is just money. Money can be used for some very good things like planting churches and spreading the gospel and meeting the needs of people and, right, like food, shelter, clothing. We can use money as a resource to do tons of ministry and gospel work. Or money could be used to start a drug cartel and cook up some meth and we could hurt a bunch of people, right? So money is a resource that can be used for good or used for evil. But the Bible says when you love it, it can be the roots of all kinds of evil. So there's Something important there to, to realize. See, God wants us to understand that money can have a hold on our heart. It can get a hold of this thing. And it can make our heart turn to some pretty evil and wicked places if we run after it. But the good news is that we, there's a cure for greed. Because, right, my heart, if it starts to love money, then I'm greedy. I would just want more. I just, I love it. But there's a cure for greediness, and that is generosity, right? When we learn to live generously... We are set free from the power of greed. And so in order to, to be, live generous, we need that eternal perspective, a proper awareness of how does God want us to see, handle, use money? Because we live in a world where we need money, like we have to buy and sell, we have to you know, get groceries and pay mortgages and all that kind of thing. How does God want us to view it? Well, Jesus taught about having the right perspective in Matthew 6, verse 19. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So according to Jesus, we can store up treasures here on earth. We can build our kingdom. We can get lots of stuff, right? Stack up lots of money in our bank account. But we can't take it with us. And by the way, things that we buy deteriorate. Anybody else here hate rust? My goodness, everything rusts. Like, what's wrong with this world? You buy something metal and it just starts to break down. And so we live in a world where things get eaten away and they, you know, clothing we buy wears out and all of our possessions, they're temporary. But Jesus says, no, you can actually store up treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. And if you're into investing, that's a very good investment. It's going to go on forever. There's no depreciation. Like, it's, it's yours. Like, and so Jesus says, don't just live for the here and now. Live in a way that you realize that the kingdom is here and that you're looking on into eternity having that gaze, that focus. So living to store up treasures in heaven, that's how we're supposed to live according to Jesus, but it's also not really a calculated thing. Anybody ever think about this like, oh, I'm just going to store up lots of treasures in heaven. I'm doing all this stuff here on earth so that I can store up treasures. Well, that kind of misses the point too, doesn't it? If we're calculating what we're going to get on the other side, that's really not the heart of gratitude that God wants. There's an old story. um, Some of you probably have heard of C.H. Spurgeon, old preacher, very well known. And he, he shared this story about the king and the carrot. So there was a gardener who had grown his garden and he had this huge, juicy carrot, the biggest, nicest carrot from his garden. And he was just thankful to the king for allowing him to be in the kingdom. And so he brings the carrot and he presents it to the king and he says, I just want to give this to you as a gift. The king says, thank you. And he was so moved by his generosity that he gave him a plot of land. Meanwhile, there was a nobleman nearby and he observed this whole thing going on. He thought, that's how it works. Okay, this is probably advantageous to me to give the king a gift. And so he went to his stable and he got his finest horse and he brought it to the king and he presented it. He says, here you go, king. Here's my best horse. The king said, thanks. Well, the nobleman was kind of distraught and he said, well, aren't you going to give me some land? And the king said, no. The gardener gave me his carrot. You gave yourself the horse. And so what he was saying was you can't calculate the gift. You give it out of a heart of gratitude, not giving to see what you're going to get back. And that's the kind of heart that God wants us to have, not one that's calculating how many returns we're going to get, but with an awareness that there is rewards in eternity, right? So it comes down to the condition of the heart. Do we give just to receive or do we give because we're grateful for all that God has already given us and how good he has been to us? So living for eternity is different than living for the temporary, the day-to-day. It's good for us to ask ourselves, where's my heart? Where am I at? Am I giving out of gratitude or am I giving because I'm trying to measure out all the, you know, the calculating how much I'm going to get in return? If we live with that kingdom focus that the kingdom is here now, that Jesus ushered it in, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we live in the kingdom now knowing that it extends on into eternity, that changes A lot of how we view money and resources and time and our talents like we've talked about, right? Very different perspectives. 
So I want to pause here for two, dis- two dis- discussion questions and uh, just see what you guys are thinking. First one is this. What kinds of things do people try to store up for themselves on earth? What do we try to hoard? What do we store up? Craft supplies? Who said that? <laughs> Somebody who likes crafting, evidently. Uh, yeah, there you go. What else? Food. People store up food. Yeah, I think that could probably be a thing. What else? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. Now you're talking about COVID times now, right? Toilet paper and hand sanitizer? Was that, wasn't that the things you couldn't find? What else do people store up? Money. Money. Probably the biggest one, right? We just... Say it again. Good deeds. Good deeds. I'm a good person. I treat people well. I'm just keep this in my pocket pull this out to say, just to claim I'm good. I don't need God. I got this. Yeah. Yeah, we store up all different kinds of things. It's what's important to us, right? What, is, what, what about the second question? Why is it so hard to live with an eternal perspective in this life? Does anybody else besides me struggle with that? Why is it hard to live with an eternal perspective in this life? We don't have a perspective of what eternity looks like. Can you see it? Anybody ever seen heaven? Anybody ever seen the new creation? Like, it's, it's like we see what's right in front of us. I think, I think he's right. What else? We have Christmas every day in America. What do you mean by that? We have blessings beyond what the rest of the world ever, ever, ever has. And some people live from hand to mouth. Mm-hmm. Hand to mouth. Every day. Every day. So their point of eternity is every day. So they don't know if they'll have another day. So we have blessings. Yeah, yeah. We're very blessed in this country, right? And we have all we need. And people around the world don't have that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard, especially for people who are living day to day, to think beyond the immediate needs of food, shelter, clothing. Am I going to be alive in a week? Right? I think part of it for myself is instant gratification. Wouldn't you rather have something right now than wait for it? Kids are like this, right? We know this. But it's hard to think, okay, there's something beyond this life. There's something bigger. There's something better. Because all we see is what's right in front of us. What I love about Scripture and I love about the way God reveals truth to us is that he often takes conventional wisdom, things that we think are true, and he flips it upside down. And this is one of those examples. Um, He wants to change our mindset, right? So if you go to Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, this is what it says. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I don't know about you, but that makes no sense to me. Give freely and you'll become more wealthy? Does that make sense? Like, if you were asking me, how do I become more wealthy? Well, get a better job, find a side hustle, save some money. Like, I'm not great at math, but that's pretty basic logic, isn't it? Save more, make more. You'll have more money. But the Bible says, give more freely and you will become more wealthy. That's God's economy. That's how it works. 
So God knows that being generous for us is actually a good thing. And that generosity is refreshing to ourselves and it's refreshing to others. Have you ever been around somebody who's generous? They are refreshing. It's fun. I want to hang out with those kinds of people. You probably know some people who are generous. Man, no, I got that. I'm going to buy your lunch for you. I'm going I'm to take care of that. It's like, oh, that's refreshing. I want to be around those kinds of people. And so God knows that when we give freely, when we are not holding on so tight to the, the money that he's given us that he will bless us with more. So God gives us truth to change the way that we think. And we've been talking a lot in this series about a mindset shift. So with a scarcity mindset, I'm going to say I don't have enough time, right? I don't have enough time. I can't do that. I don't have enough talent. I'm not good enough to do that. And with money, well, I don't have enough money, so I can't give. I can't be generous. The scarcity mindset takes us there. But we have to change that mindset to say, no, God's given me enough time to live the life that he wants me to live. God's given me the abilities, the talents that he wants me to have, and I'm going to use them for him. And he's given me enough. I can be content with what I have. And not only can I be content, I can live generously, and God's going to bless me with more. Like, what in the world? So God knows that when we change our mindset, it begins to change our heart, what we believe, and then what we do with our hands, right? But see, living with a scarcity mindset kills generosity. When we don't think we have enough, we hoard. I don't have enough money. I need to just hold on tight to what I have. I don't have enough time. I need to, I need to just keep it to myself, right? I don't, I don't have enough talent, so I'm not going to share it with anybody else. We live with a scarcity mindset with finances. We basically are telling God, God, you don't know what you're doing. You haven't provided for me. You haven't given me enough, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to be a better God than you. I mean, we would never say that, right? We'd never actually speak those words to God. But when we take matters into our own hands and we hoard, we're, we're essentially telling God, I don't trust you. You're not good. And you're not going to provide for me, or you haven't provided for me, so I'm going to provide for myself. That's where the scarcity mindset takes us. I want to show you an illustration here with this sand. Brian, would you come up here? I'm not panning for gold. Somebody asked me if I was panning. There's no gold in here that I know of. But this is river sand. And imagine that this sand is the money that God has given me. So I can take that and I have it in my hand and I have my hand clenched. My fist is clenched. And what is this going to get me? Other than maybe a sore hand after a while, right? Nothing more can go in, nothing more can come out. But if I begin to open my fist, what happens? The sand starts to run out. But what also happens is God is able to pour more sand more resources, and it runs through my hand. Doesn't mean I'm going to put my other hand over here and scoop it up. I just allow it to flow through freely. And that's, that's the way God works. He says, do you have an open heart? Do you have an open hand? Because if you do, I'm going to continue to pour more into that because I can trust you. But when I believe I have enough, I no longer have to hold on to all that I have, right? So let's stop here for two more questions. First one is this, why is it hard to live with an open hand? Let me be real honest, why is it hard to live with an open hand? Fear? Who said that? Fear. 
Why is it fear? Fear of what? That God Let's back up to the first thing you said, that God won't follow through. It's fear. It's doubt, right? Well, God said he's going to provide, and that if I give freely, he's going to provide more, but we don't really believe that. Anybody else? I struggle with that at times. Like, God, really? Is that really what your word says? Like, I read it. hope I believe it. Second one. What would it take for you to believe that God has given you enough? What would it take for you to believe that God has already given you enough to live generously? More money? More faith. faith. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. He provides over and over throughout Scripture, especially when it doesn't seem to make sense or it seems like there's a lot of fear involved, but yet they step out in faith, right? Yeah, so it just really comes down to trust, I think, for most of us. What would it look like to live crazy generous? What would that look like for us? What if we truly could live with an abundance mindset and say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting what your word says. You tell me there's enough. You tell me I can be content. You tell me I can be generous and that you'll bless me with more so that I can give more, not so that I can hoard more, right? But that he will entrust us with more. Because this comes down to what what I call the little big principle. If I can be trusted with little things, then God can trust me with bigger things. And this is a biblical principle that Jesus taught in Luke 16. I want to read this, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus says, you can't have two masters. You can't serve God and money. I think I've tried to do that before though, right? Like 50-50. Like Jesus, you're 50% and money's 50. It's all one way or the other. And I think we waffle and we let the pendulum swing back and forth. But Jesus says, hey, either I'm your master or money's your master. It's going to take over your life. It's going to take over your heart. It'll become your singular, most important pursuit if you let it. Or if you serve Jesus and you let him be your true treasure and you let go of your grasp on money and your heart becomes free of that, we get to live generously, right? And God can bless us and he can trust us with more because he knows that our heart allegiance is to him. He says, I can trust him. I can trust her. I've got their heart. And I, I love Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. And it, it says, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but basically God knows when we lie down to go to bed, when we rise up in the morning. He knows our coming and our going. He knows every thought that we have. He goes ahead of us. He comes behind us. 
He knows our hearts. So in, a, in essence, we can't pull a fast one on God. He knows the depths of our heart. He knows if our heart is after him or if we're starting to love and pursue money and we're getting greedy and we're becoming hoarders, right? And so the more faithful we are with what God has given us, the more he will trust us with greater wealth to give away. See, God tests our hearts. He says, I know what's in there, but I'm still going to test you, and I'm going to let you see what's in there for yourself. And we show up with honesty and integrity. He says, man, you've been faithful in the little stuff. You can be faithful. You can be trusted with the big stuff. Some of you might know of a guy named um, R.G. Letourneau, and he was a, an industrialist. He, he actually dropped out of school in the sixth grade, and so he was born in 1888, a long time ago, Early 1900s, he went to work in a foundry. He was 14 years old, and he started shoveling. And that first week of shoveling, he's like, man, this is for the birds. I don't want to shovel anymore. And so he got his wheels turning, and he invented some equipment to move the dirt for him, which led to him becoming an inventor. He's got over 300 patents, and he invented some of the earth-moving equipment that we still use today. He holds patents on those designs. And he was a Christian man. Started with nothing. But all throughout his life, he saw his business, his gifting, his abilities, everything is God's. And he said, I'm going to live this way for God, and everything that I do is going to bring glory to him. And God blessed him over and over and over. And he had hard times. He started with nothing. He went into debt sometimes. But, uh, and then other years, he'd make a, a huge profit. And he became a multimillionaire, and he was able to live on 10% of his income, and gave away 90% of his income. Isn't that cool? That a person had that kind of generosity, and God said, you're faithful in the little stuff? I'm going to give you more. And so we could go into a lot of stuff about his life and and what he did, and maybe some of you know about his story, but the quote that I love from RG says this, I shovel out the money, and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. And you've probably heard that statement, you can't outgive God. It's true. We can't. God is a generous God. And it's easy for us to think, well, yeah, but he was a multimillionaire. It'd be easy to give away 90% of my income if I had that much money. And it's true. Maybe some of us can't give away 90% of our income and still pay the bills. But it comes back to a heart thing, right? It's a choice. Generosity is a choice. Do I trust God? Does God have my heart or does money have my heart? We figure out um, how we can give and what we can do within what we have. So, R.G. was a person who served God, not money, and he was faithful with a little and God blessed him with a lot. So let's, two more questions and we're going to wrap this up. First one is this. What do you think life would be like if you could give away 90% of your income? Just, Just imagine that. What do you think your life would be like if you could give away 90% of your income? Think it'd be fun? How, how would you think it'd be fun? It'd be really fun. Like anything, you give somebody something, you get joy out of blessing them. Yeah, so when you give something to somebody else, we receive a blessing, right? It's, there's joy in it. So I think we'd have a lot of joy, Maybe blessing a lot of people freedom Freedom? what freedom from what the more we let go the more free we are the more we 
The more we let go, the more free we are. It's all His. It all belongs to God. Yeah. Second question is this. Why do you think God tests us with little before giving us more? You know, that little big principle, right? Why does He test us with little before giving us more? This is an easy one, by the way. We just talked about it. So he can trust us. Exactly. Yeah, he wants to see if we're going to be faithful with the little stuff, and then he'll give us more. What if he just gave everybody, like, everything? Would that be a disaster? Right? Because people probably wouldn't know what to do with it. So God knows what he's doing. And if you spend any amount of time reading Scripture, if you read through the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they messed up a lot. They were always messing up and they were always drifting back to these idols. They were worshiping false gods and God would have to bring Moses or he'd have to bring a prophet and say, people, wake up. Israelites, stop worshiping idols. Worship the one true God who provides for you, who sets you free from Egypt, who's always been there for you, always been faithful, never let you down. Stop worshiping idols because it's bad for you. Worshiping idols is detrimental to our souls, isn't it? Worshiping idols is bad for us, and God knows it. He says, when you worship that, money's one of them, you worship an idol, you self-destruct. It's bad for you, it's harmful, and I want what's best for you. God's always wanted what's best for his children. He wanted what was best for the people of Israel, and he wants what's best for us. God truly wants what's best for his people. That's why he tells us, let go of your love of money. Live generously. Live freely. It's what's best for you. Look at what Moses told the people. He came down with the Ten Commandments. And just shortly after that, in Deuteronomy 8, this is what he said. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, and he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. So this warning was given to the people to remind them, hey, don't forget where your wealth comes from. God is the giver of everything. He owns it all. And if you start running after idols and you start drifting away, that there's some real damage that you can do to your life, to your soul. But again, there's a, the good news is that there's a remedy. It's called generosity. It's called giving my heart back to God and saying, Lord, I love you more than anything else in this life. I'm going to treasure you above financial gains or property or any possessions that we could have. And I'm going to live generously. It's like the antidote for greed, right? God says, remember where your wealth comes from. Remember that it all belongs to me. And I've entrusted some to you to be a good steward. You can be faithful with it. God says, remember that eternity's coming. Like, it's a long time. This life is very, very short. And so what we do now and how we live extends on into eternity. And we need to have that eternal perspective Right? It helps us uh, be aware of what we have and how to use it. 
Remember that idols always overpromise and underdeliver. Money's not a very good god, is it? Pretty horrible god, actually. And if we live generously, we're blessed. We get to live such a joyful life, such a free life, the life that God intended for us to live. And so the Bible teaches about money a lot. And I know many of you know these verses. You've read, there's tons of other scripture we could have covered today. The Bible teaches us about money, how to properly view it, use it. And we know a lot of it here. But I think it's got to drop down into my heart, doesn't it? I have to believe what the word says. Will I trust what God says? And as a result, open my hands. So my head tells my heart, affects my hands. A couple of years back, um, we were first beginning this church. We, we met a family who was in need, and they were homeless, they had some kids, and it was just kind of a bad situation. And so a number of us families kind of came around them, and we started giving them groceries and diapers for the kids and clothes and just all the, providing all these things for them. And we just wanted to be generous. And we ended up helping them get an apartment, and they found some jobs, and it was rocky, it was bumpy. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, but one of the families donated a minivan to this family, one of, the, one of our Missio families. And that just blew me away. I was like, wow, that is generous. That's refreshing. And I think that's a picture of what the generous life looks like, right? Not holding on too tight to our stuff, but just being willing to give. God says, you know, you're generous. I'm going to fill your hand. Get your hand open like that. The sand's going to continue to pour through. You're going to have enough. I'll provide. And I think that's the kind of church we want to be, right? We want to be a generous people. That's the kind of disciple I want to be. Somebody who has their heart and their hands open to the Lord and say, Lord, just let me give. Let me be a conduit that you can use. And I, I think if we live that generous life and we are good stewards with, God, with what God has given us, that we're going to see huge impacts on our community. We're going to continue to see the gospel spread here in Bismarck and around the world. And man, that gets me excited, using those resources for the furtherance of the kingdom. And that's what we're about. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have given us so many gifts. You've blessed us in so many ways. And Lord, you've called us to be generous. You've called us to live as a reflection of your heart and who you are. God, you are generous. You've given us everything we have. Everything we own has come from your hand. We don't get to take credit for it. We brought nothing into this world. We bring nothing with us when we leave. And so, Lord, let us have a proper view of the finances, the resources that you've given us, and to live generously. God, we, may we just give freely to others in need. May we freely give to you, to the work of the kingdom, that it spreads, that the gospel would move around our community and around the world. And Lord, we just know that it all starts with faith. It starts with trust in who you say you are and what your word says is true. So God, we just humbly say, stir our hearts. Smash the idols in our hearts, Lord. And may we love you more than anything else. Josh left us with a few takeaways from this service. 
Being generous brings such joy to the person who gives and to the people who receive. We know that a culture of generosity in a church doesn't just accidentally happen. If we live for the here and now, that's all we get. If we live for eternity, we experience God's blessings now and rewards in eternity. An eternal perspective. We brought nothing into this world and we take nothing with us when we die. When we learn to live generously, we are set free from the power of greed. If we start trying to calculate how much we are storing up in heaven based on how much we give now, that kind of defeats the purpose. Changing our minds. Living with a scarcity mindset kills generosity. When I believe I have enough, I no longer have a hold onto what all I have. Crazy generosity. It's called the little big principle. If I can be trusted with little things, God can trust me with the bigger things. The more faithful we are with what God has given us, the more he will trust us with the greater wealth to give away. God truly wants what is best for his people. God says, remember where your wealth, your possessions, came from. I gave them to you. Remember that eternity matters most. Don't live for the promises of this life. It might seem like it will satisfy, but idols never do. They overpromise and they underdeliver every time. Live generously and you will experience the most blessed life possible. Discussion questions. What kind of things do people try to store up for themselves on earth? Why is it so hard to live with an internal perspective in this life? Why is it hard to live with an open hand? What would it take for you to believe that God has given you enough? What do you think life would be like if you could give away 90% of your income? Why do you think God tests us with a little before giving us more? Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.